Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Today's reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Today we're looking at this story that comes right at the end of John's Gospel, where Jesus breathes upon his disciples, giving them the Holy Spirit and empowering them for mission. And this strange little story actually is the culmination of a whole load of promises Jesus has made right the way through John's Gospel, but particularly chapters 13 to 17, where Jesus told his disciples that he was about to leave them and they would think that that was bad news, but actually it was for their good. Because Jesus knew that if he remained physically present with them, that would be a limiting factor. He could only be in one place at any one time. But instead, if Jesus ascended on high and poured out his spirit, then God's power and presence could be both with and in all disciples, wherever they find themselves across this world. And so Jesus promised the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then chapters 18 to 19, it all seems to go horribly wrong. Jesus was executed on a cross and it seemed like the promises of God died with him. And yet, as we'll see as we celebrate Easter this week, that was not the end of the story. This strange moment was actually God's plan to reconcile the world to himself. And Jesus did not remain dead. Spoiler alert, he came back from the dead on Easter Sunday. And chapter 20 begins with that story, the resurrection. And Mary is the first one of Jesus' followers to meet the risen Jesus. And so excited, she runs back to the disciples. She tells them what she has seen, that Jesus is alive, and they just have no idea what to do with it. So in the passage we just heard read, we find that the disciples are cowering in fear. They are locked away in a room, not sure what to do with this strange news they've heard, because not for the first or the last time, this bunch of men hear some amazing news from a woman and think they would rather wait until they hear it from a man instead. Go figure. (laughs) But that is actually what happens. They're cowering in fear and yet Jesus then comes into this locked room and he shows them himself that he is alive. He says, peace be with you. And then he breathes on them and gives them the spirit. And we don't know how he got into the room. It's this strange supernatural moment. But the point is that Jesus arrives in their presence and he actually fulfills in these few verses a whole load of the promises he's just made in the previous chapters. He promised to return to his disciples, to give them peace, that they would rejoice and that the spirit would be sent. And sure enough, here he stands in their midst. He says, peace be with you. They were filled with joy and they received the spirit. This moment is like the fulfillment of of loads of the threads of John's gospel, but it's actually an even bigger fulfillment than that. In some sense, this moment is the fulfillment of a storyline that has been going right the way through the scriptures. It's the story of forgiveness. 
Look at how Jesus gives the disciples the Holy Spirit. It says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When was the last time God breathed on human beings? It's Genesis chapter 2. Right at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2 verse 7 says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. This is how the Bible begins. And this is actually where we began this whole series back in January. God created humanity, male and female, and he breathed into them his ruach. That's the Hebrew word. It means breath, wind and spirit. And it is that presence of the ruach, the spirit, the breath of God that actually brings these humans to life. Because God is the source of life itself, the eternal source of life. And it is his breath in us that gives us life. But God didn't simply bring these humans to life. He actually breathed into them and commissioned them with his breath, his spirit, to continue his mission of bringing order out of chaos. But what happens? Almost immediately, the chaos overwhelms them. And the first humans filled with God's breath actually reject God. And in that moment, they are separated from him. From page three of your Bibles onwards through the many hundreds of other pages, humanity has been separated from God, estranged from him, cut off from the source of life. And so for humanity and actually for the whole of the world, we have been now tainted with decay and death. And that's the story of the Bible. But God was not content to leave us that way. In John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And what is eternal life? Well, in John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Put those two things together. God loved us. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to experience our death, and then to rise again from the dead, defeating death, defeating sin once and for all, so that we can be forgiven and restored back into the knowledge of God, back into relationship with the source of life itself. And by knowing, by being reconnected in relationship with this God, we then get to receive once more the gift of life, not just in this lifetime, but eternally. This is the story of forgiveness. It's a story that has been longed for, needed since Genesis chapter 2. And when Jesus breathes into the disciples, he takes their minds right the way back to that first garden, the Garden of Eden. It's a symbolic moment where Jesus is saying, in essence, this is it. This is new creation. This is a fresh start. He fills these disciples once more with his breath. But just as in Genesis 2, the breath of God didn't simply bring the humans to life, but also commissioned them for mission. The same thing happens here. Jesus, breathing on his disciples, is commissioning, commissioning this new community, this new creation community, to continue his work. Because although the story of forgiveness has somehow reached its fulfillment in Jesus and in his death and resurrection, it's not exactly over. God wants us to continue spreading the message of what Jesus has done, the message of forgiveness. Look at what verse 21 says. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
there is some kind of continuity, I think, between Jesus' own mission and the mission he sends us on. As the Father sent him, so he sends us. So in love, the Father sent Jesus to reconcile humanity back to him, the source of life itself. And now he empowers us as those who have been reconciled to God. He empowers us with his breath and with his spirit to continue that work of reconciling the world back to God. But even though the goal of our mission is the same as the goal of Jesus' mission, that doesn't mean that we do exactly the same thing that Jesus himself did. You see, the point of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is that he actually did what no human being could do. He lived the perfect life, completely pleasing to God. And then he died a death that we deserve to die, and he rose again, defeating death. And all the way through Jesus' life in John's Gospel, he keeps saying again and again, I'm doing everything the Father sent me to do, right up to John chapter 19, where on the cross he cried out, it is finished. It is done. It is completed. So when Jesus sends us out, He's not sending us out to go and replicate everything he did. I mean, we can't do that. And at any, at any length, like what he has done is finished, is completed, is done at the cross. So what Jesus is sending us out to do is not to do the same thing, but rather to proclaim what he has done, proclaim his finished work. God has forgiven us. That has happened at the cross. The story of forgiveness has somehow reached its conclusion in Jesus' death and resurrection. He has done it. It is finished. God has forgiven us. It is an action that is past. It is completed. New creation has begun. And that is the message that we are given to declare, the message of forgiveness. But verse 23 is a bit confusing. Let me read it. This is from the English Standard Version, which I think is slightly more helpful, but still quite clunky. It says this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What's going on here? What is exactly the nature of our message? It's kind of confusing. It sort of sounds a little bit like we are the ones who somehow forgive on God's behalf. And that if we forgive, people get forgiven. And if we withhold forgiveness, somehow God is unable to forgive. I don't think that's what is going on. Scholars point out that the verbs that Jesus uses here for uh, forgiving and withholding forgiveness are actually in the, the perfect tense, which means they are talking about a past action that has ongoing consequences. Let me explain. If I were to say, uh, I have made dinner, that's the perfect tense. Essentially, I'm saying there is this past action, I have made dinner in the past, probably not the too distant past, and now the invitation is come and eat. I have made dinner, come and eat. That's how the perfect tense works. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Forgiveness has been done. It is finished. Come and receive it. There is this past action that is completed. And there's this ongoing invitation now to come and live in the good of it. And Jesus is sending us out with that message. Forgiveness is done. It was done at the cross. God has forgiven you come and receive it. And I think that's really important for us to understand that distinction. It may sound a bit technical, but it's really important that we understand forgiveness is complete. Our message is not, hey, you can be forgiven, but rather God has forgiven you. Come and enjoy that forgiveness. 
I think the way we communicate the gospel can often get it slightly wrong, or at least the way it's heard can often undersell the radical power of what Jesus has done. There's a lyric in a song by Franz Ferdinand that came to mind as I was preparing this. They, they sing this, and I'm not going to sing it, but they, they sing, Come home, practically all is nearly forgiven. Almost everything could be forgotten. Right thoughts, right words, right action. I think that's how we often explain the gospel, or at least how it's heard. But that's not the gospel. It's close, but it is not the gospel. You see, we often proclaim the message of forgiveness as if it were this. Come home. Everything is nearly forgiven. God is willing to forgive you. He's shown that at the cross. And if you just believe the right thoughts, pray the right words, live out the right actions, then he will forgive you. But that isn't the gospel. That isn't the message of forgiveness. The message we are sent to proclaim is far more radical than that. It's this, come home, you have been forgiven. It is finished. New creation has begun. At the cross, God forgave you and he did that with no involvement on your part. In fact, you were dead in your sin. You had no idea what was going on. You had no idea of your need for him. And yet he forgave you. It is finished. New creation has begun. Come home. This is the message of Jesus. And it's the message that he sends us out to communicate. See, the gospel is not good advice. It's not five steps to take if you want to be forgiven. Rather, it's a declaration. It's news about what has happened and an invitation to live in the good of it. God has forgiven us at the cross. Past action. Now, maybe you're hearing that and thinking, really? I mean, is it really true that God has forgiven everyone? That seems kind of kind of too good to be true. And if you're feeling that, actually, that is the right response. The gospel should make us feel that because it is incredible. The gospel is radical. It is scandalous. But listen to me carefully. I am not saying that because Jesus has forgiven us, because that is a past action, then everyone automatically is saved. Everyone automatically gets eternal life. I'm not saying that at all. No, because there is a real difference between us having been forgiven and us having received that forgiveness. In just the same way that I might have made dinner past action, but you might choose not to come and eat of it. There's a difference between being forgiven and receiving the forgiveness. And the message that we are sent out with is that you have been forgiven. Come and receive it. God has done everything to close the gap from his side. All you need to do is turn to him and enjoy this new relationship that is on offer. Although the story of forgiveness has reached its climax in Jesus' death and resurrection, actually it kind of hasn't been fulfilled until people respond to that forgiveness and come and enjoy the new life on offer. Let me give you an illustration. And it's not perfect, but I hope you'll kind of get the gist of it. Say I had stolen something from you that was irreplaceable and then I broke it or I lost it or whatever. I would have probably two problems. One was a problem that I had done something wrong. I had sinned against you and I had a debt that I was unable to repay. But the second consequence of that is that I have a relationship problem with you. We are not going to be in, able to enjoy the friendship that we once had because of this thing that I have done that stands between us. We're estranged. 
And so if I saw you on the street having done this thing, I'm going to try and avoid you. I'm going to kind of dodge your gaze or, you know, pull my face mask up to cover myself. Or I dodge your calls. I try and hide you. I do anything I could to social distance from you because we have this relationship problem because of my sin. But say you decided in your heart that our relationship was more important to you than this thing that I had stolen and lost or broken. Then you might choose to forgive as a means to restoring that relationship. Not because the object didn't matter or justice didn't matter, but rather because you so loved me, you so wanted to restore our relationship that you were willing to take the hit in order to make that possible. And so you might choose to forgive by personally absorbing the cost of what I had done, choosing not to press charges, not to hold it against me. And so in your heart, in that moment, forgiveness is done. It is finished. You have removed the thing that stands between us being in relationship. And you've done it by taking the hit yourself. Consequently, I am forgiven. But does that mean that our relationship is instantly restored? Well, no, it doesn't. Why not? Because I don't know that I'm forgiven. And if I keep dodging your calls, if I keep avoiding you, and I never hear that I'm forgiven and I never respond to that, then I'm going to permanently live in this state of separation from you, seeing our relationship completely differently to how you see our relationship. We would remain estranged, not because of a lack of forgiveness on your part, but simply because I haven't heard, come home, all is forgiven. So if you really wanted to reach out to me to restore the relationship, eventually what you're going to do is you're going to ask someone to go to me on your behalf and say, come home. He has forgiven you. He wants a relationship with you. Do you see? That is how Jesus tasks us. Forgiveness is done. God has forgiven us, but the world doesn't know that yet. And so we are tasked with the message of going to the world and saying, come home. God has forgiven you. He wants relationship with you. We are his messengers, reconciled to God and filled with his spirit so that we can communicate the good news of what Jesus has done. And of course, that message requires a response. It's not the case that because Jesus has forgiven us, suddenly everyone is now in relationship with God and gets eternal life. No. You know, if in that scenario, I continue to dodge your calls, if I continue to ignore the messengers you sent, or I chose not to believe their message, then I would remain estranged from you. Not because of a lack of forgiveness, but because of a lack of belief, a lack of response of myself. That's why the Bible talks about confession, repentance and faith. Crucially, though, not as the way that we get forgiven, but the way that we respond to the forgiveness that is on offer. If you look through the book of Acts, when the apostles preach the good news about Jesus all around the ancient world, they don't say, do these things, confess, repent and believe so that you might be forgiven, but rather as a way of turning to God and receiving his forgiveness. That word repentance, it means to turn around 180 degrees. See, the message is this. God has forgiven you. He has done everything to close the gap from his side. And all you and I need to do is repent, turn around, stop running from him, receive his embrace, come into relationship with him, the source of life, and you will receive through knowing him eternal life now and into eternity. I really don't think there can be anything more glorious than that.
that message that forgiveness has been done. Come home. God wants relationship with you. Like many of us, I am sure, uh, I really enjoyed watching Hamilton over lockdown, the first lockdown, and I enjoyed watching it on Disney Plus and then listening to the soundtrack, uh, well, who knows how many times. It's an amazing musical. If you've not heard it, do check it out. It's an amazing musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton, who was one of America's founding fathers, and it looks at his role in the American Revolution and beyond. But my absolute favourite moment of the whole thing actually is not so much about him, it's about his wife, Eliza, who is an incredible woman. And it comes at a point of the story where she is grappling with just unimaginable grief. She has been betrayed by Alexander and she has gone through the tragedy of losing her son. And it's this heartbreaking set of circumstances which could so easily make her bitter. And yet in this song, it's quite uptown. She expresses something of her, her desire to forgive her husband and work on restoring their relationship. It's just such a beautiful song. And some of the lyrics say this. There are moments that the words don't reach. There is a grace too powerful to name. We push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. And then this line. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? Whenever I hear that line, I, I choke up. Even thinking about it, I feel emotional now. And it's partly, I think, because of the horror of what she has gone through and just trying to imagine how hard that will be to deal with. But I think the real reason why it gets me emotionally is because of the incredible power of forgiveness. There is something amazing about her response that just stirs me because it excites me. Forgiveness. Can you imagine there is something so powerful about the message. You have been forgiven. This relationship can be restored. That's the heart of the gospel. And if you read about Eliza Hamilton, you will find out quickly that she was deeply shaped by her Christian faith. And the reason that she was able to do the unimaginable and forgive her husband was actually because she had understood that experience that words can't reach, that grace too powerful to name. She had experienced for herself the wonder of being forgiven by God and restored into relationship with him. And she was filled with the spirit to extend that forgiveness to others. Her life became like a, a walking testament to the power of forgiveness. Can you imagine? Now, this isn't a talk about us forgiving others. That's a whole different subject. But my point is this. There is something available to us which just goes beyond words, goes beyond what we can imagine. Forgiveness from our creator, who loved us enough to die for us. Can you imagine? The promise of eternal life. Could there be anything more precious than that? And for those of us who hear that message and respond, we get to become new creations. We are born again, as we heard of a couple of weeks ago, and God comes and lives within us by his Holy Spirit, empowering us now with the immeasurable privilege of extending that message of forgiveness to others. If you are watching this today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to plead with you, would you get to know him? God has forgiven you. Come home. He loves you with an undying love. 
He loves you so much that he sent his son to the cross to deal with everything that stood in the way of your relationship with him. He has done everything needed to close the gap from his side. All you need do is turn around and receive his embrace. Get to know him. By knowing him, you can receive forgiveness of sins, the gift of the spirit and the promise of eternal life. And in a moment, I am going to close this sermon in prayer. And if you know that you would like to receive those things from him today, then simply make this prayer your own and then reach out to someone who can help you with any questions you might have. Talk to a friend who you know is a follower of Jesus or or reach out to me. Email me, liam at christchurchlondon.org. We can arrange time this week to talk and I can answer some questions. I can pray with you. I would love to help you in that way. But if you are already a follower of Jesus, then today I want to remind you of that amazing power of forgiveness. If you have responded to the forgiveness of Jesus, you are a new creation. You are born again. You are filled with his Holy Spirit. And that forgiveness is not a one-time deal. It's something that just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And so if you know today that there are things that you are still doing, that are standing in the way of your relationship with God. Simply repent, turn back to Jesus, thank him for his forgiveness and receive it afresh. But I also want to encourage you that now as people who are forgiven by God, we can receive his Holy Spirit so that we may communicate that message of forgiveness to the world. It's an amazing privilege, but it is a weighty privilege. Jesus says if we extend forgiveness to others, they can receive that forgiveness and eternal life. But actually, if we withhold it, it's like we withhold from people the message that they are forgiven. And therefore, we withhold from them the opportunity to come into relationship with God. That's quite a weight to that. Like Paul says in Romans 10, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are people going to call on him unless they have heard? And how are they going to hear unless we are sent to share that message with them? I think we're meant to feel the weight of that privilege. We have the power of life and death in our words. But it's a weight that's not meant to crush us. It's meant to motivate us as we are empowered by the Spirit. We have a message that this world deeply needs to hear. And so Jesus breathes upon his disciples with the Spirit, giving them both peace and power to continue this mission on his behalf. Each week we produce resources for connect groups and this week you're going to find some really practical stuff to help you think about that power and peace that is available and think about how you can take steps of sharing this message of forgiveness with your friends. Do take time as your connect group to think about this, to talk about this, to pray about it and then to take the step this week of telling someone of the radical love of Jesus. And if you're not part of a connect group, now is a great time to get involved in one. You can find all the information online. But I'd love to pray for us today. And whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, why don't you just take a moment to own this prayer in your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breath of God, We invite you to breathe upon us right now. I pray for those who are watching today who want to begin following you. As they respond to your message of forgiveness, as they repent and turn towards you, putting their trust in your death and resurrection, 
would you make them new creations? Would you give them that gift of eternal life and fill them with your Holy Spirit right now, I pray. Give them courage to reach out, to talk to someone this week and to begin this new life with you. And I pray for those of us who have been following you for a while, would you breathe upon us again by your Holy Spirit and empower us for the amazing privilege of sharing your good news of forgiveness. For those of us who need forgiveness today, I pray that we would have the courage to turn to you and receive that gift afresh. And for those of us who feel nervous about sharing the good news of Jesus, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you give us peace? As you said to your disciples, peace be with you. I, I ask right now, would the peace of the Spirit be with us? But I also pray for power. I pray for this week for us to have opportunities to share your good news with people around us. And I pray that as we do so, it would excite their hearts to long to get to know you. This week, would you help us to express your love around to those around us? In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to christchurchlondon.org.